I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. My name is Davis Maddock. I'm joined by Colin Drew. You also might be listening to this on the SportsGrid Fantasy Football Podcast. And uh, as we did last week and as we will do every week of the NFL season, this is going to be our first look at the NFL DFS slate on DraftKings and FanDuel. Going to look at uh, all of the important games going game by game, kind of talking about how injuries are going to affect the slate, kind of what we are looking at in terms of stacks and everything as we get into uh, Sunday. And Colin, the, the game that you called out last week as the Bonanza game, Green Bay, Minnesota, it was in fact Bonanza. If you had just run uh, Aaron Rodgers, Devonta Adams, Marquez Valdez-Scantling with the Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook bringback, you'd probably be a millionaire. I know, man. Um, I mean, we talked about it on the show just as the game that would go overlooked. You know, you don't really expect either of the teams to want to play back and forth that aggressively, especially in the Vikings side of things. But we did say, like, that's the type of thing that does end up winning some million makers. And it happened last year with Rodgers in a double stack as well. Nobody really owns the secondary receivers for the Packers just because it's hard to nail down the pecking order. So if people did get on that, congrats. I'm sure you had a big week. Uh, for me, it wasn't something that I was able to get to when actually putting together my builds. Um, I think I did try to pivot off the more popular game stacks, but didn't necessarily get deep enough to get to uh, that game. I ended up pretty loaded up on Lamar, which, you know, he did want well. Like the double stacks with Lamar were great. They just weren't good enough to ship anything. Yeah, like, so the, the interesting thing about Lamar is he can get 25, and Hollywood Brown can get 16, and Mark Andrews can get 25, and it's just, it's it's because they're all, because Lamar is so expensive, it's not enough, right? Because some quarterback is going to beat that, you know, obviously Devontae, you, you had to have Devontae Adams to win anything last week, that was like the required part of, uh, you know, of winning a lot of money, playing Daily Fantasy, so I, I did, I think that the componentry of all of that is very interesting to look yeah. back on and for us i mean the biggest bus we did feel like there was enough value on the slate to play lamar while still getting in running backs that had legitimate upside the boston scott play just it didn't work out i think the process was pretty solid there i think there was plenty of room for upside in him in that game in the role that he was expecting and it just didn't really work out um and maybe underrated the washington defense a little bit but also sometimes plays just aren't going to come through with ceilings and then the Antonio Gibson, uh, he ended up being like the secondary value by the time Locke hit just because of Scott, but uh, ended up kind of the third man in the pecking order in Washington with Peyton Barber scoring the ultimate troll touchdowns. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, Peyton Barber, big time troll. And obviously, you know, things got a little bit weird heading up to lock with all of those offensive linemen being announced out for the Eagles. It really did feel it really did feel like one of those situations where, you know, what do you what do you really want them to do? But we are going to head into our game by game analysis here on uh, on the show, starting with Carolina, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is a nine and a half point favorite right now. And uh you know, even despite this really high team total, I have a feeling, Colin, that these players might not be as popular as you would think simply because uh, they were looked so bad in a nationally televised game last week, right? The, the Buccaneers looked horrible in a game that everyone was watching. Yeah, definitely looked like, you know, that total, I, I guess, historically for the Saints-Bucks game, you, you would have expected to see it in the 50s. It was down close to 49, so... Uh, you know, I think it ended up looking pretty ugly, but they still like ended up producing solid fantasy point outputs. At least Brady did. Uh, I know Mike Evans was injured going into that game, was a game time decision, ended up playing with a hamstring injury, ended up kind of playing his full allotment of snaps. And um, he did draw a couple DPIs, which would have made his game logs look a little bit different. I think you're probably right. I guess the only thing that would maybe keep some ownership coming back to this game is just the fact that the Raiders were able to move the ball so easily against Carolina, obviously one of the worst defenses in the league. So um, I think part of it will be news oriented, but I think there's enough, at least like shaky spots on the Bucks side of things. I think like Godwin Evans will still be adequately owned, especially Godwin, but some of the depth targets, you had like Gronk with one of the highest owned tight ends in the Millie maker. OJ Howard ended up catching a touchdown, but played like half of the snaps. And so, just a little bit distributed on the offensive side of the ball outside of kind of the like Brady Gronk and Godwin. You know who is not going to find himself owned in large field tournaments, single entry or three max at all. Ronald Jones, who handled 20 touches in that game against the Saints, uh, basically was uh, on the field for about 65% of Tampa Bay snaps. LaShawn McCoy was out there as the, you know, the third down passing down back Leonard Fournette. We saw, uh, he had, I, I believe, five rushes for five yards. Just classic, classic Leonard Fournette stuff. I, my kind of my read on the situation is that this Carolina game is sort of an audition spot for Ronald Jones. There, I think they'll play Fournette more this week than they did last week. But Fournette is going to have, you know, the the first crack at playing well this week. Yeah, and on the Carolina side of the ball, I mean, what were your takeaways? Kind of the first time that we've seen this offense with Teddy Bridgewater there, new coaching staff, and so. Um, were you more are you kind of more or less optimistic about Carolina in the spot than you might have been before seeing them in action? I thought it was so weird that McCaffrey was only targeted on 11% of Carolina's passes. You know, that was basically cut in half what he did last year. And uh, it's kind of more what Joe Brady did at LSU versus what Carolina's offense was last year, where Samuel Anderson and Moore were all targeted eight or nine times. And uh, Ian Thomas really was not a part of the offense much at all. Uh, kind of makes me like more or less, but makes me like all three of these wide receivers in this game. Yeah, and it's always hard to tell what's an overreaction. Obviously, the Christian McCaffrey projection is still going to be quite strong, but he's carrying the most premium price tag on the entire slate. And I think there's value on this week, but right now the value seems in that mid-tier. So I don't think you're necessarily getting like a stone in punt to open him up entirely. Yeah, uh, you know, I think people are going to really be facing decisions with McCaffrey this week because... He is so much more expensive, and there are so many good running back value plays as we are going to uh, continue to get into as we go game by game. Uh, we are going to go ahead and head into a quick break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. When we return, we will move to the Detroit Green Bay game and continue to go game by game for all of the main slate daily fantasy games this week. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Dow of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas. 
We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like, he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with Big Pop. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0 in a winner chicken dinner. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because, as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcast. You find it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Daily Roto Hour here on Sports Grid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Colin Drew as we go game by game for all of the main slate DFS games this weekend and week two. Next up, we have Detroit versus Green Bay. We have last week's hero, Devonta Adams, scored 44 fantasy points last week, two touchdowns, 13 receptions, uh, just a, a, a monumental game. And now Adams with Michael Thomas uh, out with an ankle injury is sort of the unquestioned number one wide receiver in Green Bay. In Detroit, we have a very odd backfield split where Carrion Johnson played, Adrian Peterson led the team in rushing, However, DeAndre Swift was getting the goal line work and was also targeted at, uh, you know, uh, he could he could have won the game for Detroit, but but dropped a, a clear touchdown pass. And Marvin Jones, a very disappointing week last week, though he still still is popping in our projections. I think we might have to work on that one uh, a little bit. Quintus Cephas played far more than I think many people imagined. The, uh, I think, fifth round rookie pick uh, for for Detroit. So where are we where are we at on this game? Is Aaron Rodgers back, Colin? I don't know if I'm ready to anoint him as back. Um, I am curious to see. I Like two or three years ago, people would just chase the points pretty hard directly into this week. And I think with Adams, that will still be the case uh, just because he was popping the all projection systems last week. And, you know, he was, I think, like four times the ownership of Julio ended up smashing. And then the price increase this week is kind of palatable. And you don't have Michael Thomas up there as well. So. I think I do expect Adams to be like 4X, the ownership of Julio again, also get a really attractive game stack for Atlanta again with the Dallas Cowboys. So um, I think that Adams will for sure be one of the highest owned wide receivers again this week. Obviously, he's going to be a great play. You just have to kind of make a decision. Um, what I am curious about just is whether or not Lazard, Marcus Vela's Scantling end up gathering any buzz. The Packers do have one of the higher implied team totals on the slate, just above 27 points. So I think that it is viable, but um, I kind of want to figure out where things are going to go, because if the 
game stack itself is popular. I do think like Aaron Jones will end up being overlooked. The Packers really didn't do too much differently in week one than what we saw with their running personnel last year, which was, you know, basically Aaron Jones is going to be the primary guy, guy utilized most around the goal line. You're going to get some Jamal Williams action in there, but it wasn't like A.J. Dillon came in and took on a huge role. Um, Obviously, the big news that we're just waiting on for the Detroit side of things is whether or not Kenny Galladay is going to suit up just because that will shake up all the market share of targets for their entire team. So... Uh, I think Kenny Galladay is not going to play. He did not. Uh, he did not practice on Wednesday. It seems more likely that he would not play than he would. Now, obviously, that would uh, that would make things different if he did. What are your thoughts on Marvin Jones? Uh, if in fact he does not play, do we think that it was kind of a weird one week thing? You know, do we think Quintus Cephas is is a real thing? Do we think they're targeting you know Jamal Agnew? Like uh, I I think my read was that. You know, Jones is still their top wide receiver without Kenny Galladay, but, you know, maybe he just is sort of miscast as a wide receiver one, basically. Yeah, I mean, look, he he still led all their wide receivers in snaps, and so it's not like a situation where he is phased out of the game entirely. Uh, obviously, you would have liked to see the target volume up there, and maybe we weren't uh, kind of acknowledging some of the risk as far as the depth wide receiver options, and even a guy like Damian Mandola can pick up some snaps and just how heavily they utilized a lot of the different running backs. So, you know, we might have been inflated a little bit, but in as a bring back candidate in this game, I would definitely have no issues still getting a pretty reasonable price tag on Jones, and you're going to get a pretty big ownership discount on him. Yeah, I would use Marquez Valdez-Scantling and bring backs in this game because he had a 31% uh, market share of the air yards in Green Bay last week, and I think that is his, so like, he basically is the guy who can get there in a stack with only like five targets, right? Because he gets two, he gets two deep ones. Boom, you know, twenty-two DraftKings points or whatever. So uh, I, I would be more open to using him, uh, and I definitely would not use Robert Tanyan, who was almost a part of a million-dollar winning lineup. Had that Alvin Kamara touchdown stood in the final minutes of Saints Bucks, Robert Tanyan would have been in a millionaire winning, millionaire maker winning lineup with zero DraftKings points. I'm, I'm Very, sure it's I like has that ever happened before? Ne- never, never with a zero on. I, I, I know it's never happened with a zero. That would actually be an interesting query for someone to run. What was the lowest individual player score inside of a millionaire maker winning lineup? You know what? I bet I bet it was a defense. I bet at some point someone has won with like two points or something from their defense, yeah. but just had the nuts uh, elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, our, our next game here, we have San Francisco, New York Jets. I am not interested in a single Jets player. Not playing Herndon. Uh, maybe maybe you could make some sort of argument for Crowder because San Francisco is going to have basically all of their cornerbacks out this week. Uh, Richard Sherman, Witherspoon, and Jason Verrett are all injured this week. I'm not, I'm not really interested uh, for the 49ers passing offense. Uh, Debo Samuel, not going to play this week. Ayuk maybe will play. George Kittle uh, uh, has been listed as questionable with that knee injury. I would actually load up on Jordan Reed if Ayuk and Kittle were both out. Reed is $2,600 on FanDuel. Yeah. I mean, I guess I feel like Herndon is a little bit more viable than you do. 3400 Obviously, the matchup's really tough, um, and you feel like this, the ceiling maybe is capped just because the Jets only have a 17-point applied team total. But Herndon did have 21% of the team's targets in the opening game against Buffalo guy that people were expecting to take on a bigger role in season long coming in. He kind of did take on that role week one. So I think that at 3,400, if you're looking to punt the tight end spot, he's maybe a little bit more um, viable than he gets credit for. Uh, the price tag on Crowder in this matchup, it feels like it's a fair one. And a guy I think probably has an underrated ceiling, but and he did showcase that last week, but still in a tough matchup at a fair price, might be looking for something a little bit better there. On the San Francisco side, I guess if these guys all sit again, what are you making of the wide receiver situation? You mentioned Jordan Reed a little bit, but would you be interested in some of these depth pieces like Trent Taylor's 3,300, Kendrick Bourne, I think it's 4,900, a little bit steep there. Dante Pettis is 3,000. And those were kind of the guys that were on the field the majority of the time last game. I don't want to play any of them. I think they, I think they're all so boring and so low ceiling and so unlikely to score touchdowns. I think Reed is the one I'd be interested in because he fills the tight end slot. But you know, born, born by the way, uh, or Richie James actually has a hamstring injury, so there, there actually would be a chance that it's born Taylor Pettis, 
Reed, and then they play like the two tight end stuff with Ross Dwelly. Uh, I actually, I think the guy who I would maybe think about playing a little bit would be Jarek McKinnon, you know, just thinking that he's able to soak up some of those extra targets, especially on DraftKings where he's only 4,200. Yeah, and last week, Bourne did play 90% of the snaps, Pettis just over 70%. Uh, I think the other thing that's just worth mentioning, the game last week was played in California where there were air quality issues kind of leading to the game. Some questions as whether or not they were even going to play the game. So Tevin Coleman, who has sickle cell, did end up dressing for that game, but played on less than 10% of the snaps. I do think he is kind of the RB2 that would spell most air in this matchup. So I think that Coleman, despite not being a viable fantasy play regardless this week, I think that he does see a bigger role than he did last week. And so therefore, for me, not quite as interested in Raheem as I was last week once that news kind of broke. Yeah, having them having them all having them all active. Um, yeah, definitely just makes me a little bit less interested in Mostert. Okay, real quick look at the Buffalo Miami game. I think Josh Allen is an incredibly strong play. Not interested in daily fantasy in Singletary or Monster or Singletary or Moss. I think you're both kind of fine and happy with them for seasonal fantasy. Uh, for Miami, though, I just think that this is it's such a mess outside of, you know, maybe Preston Williams if uh, Devontae Parker is not able to play with this hamstring injury that uh, I, I would not use any bringbacks in Josh Allen, Diggs, Brown stacks, basically. Yeah, I probably wouldn't force them, but if Parker does sit, I think you start to see maybe a concentrated tree between Preston Williams, Mike Jasicki, and then uh, the running backs from Miami kind of shook out a little bit differently than we expected last week. Like Matt Breida barely touched the ball, and um, so that's definitely a situation you're staying clear of entirely. Yeah, uh, I mean, Josh Allen, though, is definitely one of those guys who uh, I think he is just going to continue to beat up on these bad teams. Like, actually, you know what? I might even make Josh Allen unstacked teams this week, which is I never I never do that. But I might just run naked Josh Allen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't usually do that either. I like to get at least one of those two guys, but he's definitely not the type of guy you have to double stack. Yeah, he uh, he can definitely crush. So we have gone through the Carolina and Tampa Bay, uh, uh, Detroit, Green Bay, San Francisco, New York Jets and the Buffalo Miami game. When we come back, I want to save plenty of time for us to run through the Atlanta Dallas game, which is going to be the bonanza game of the week. It's And in fact, it's so good that uh, maybe we aren't even going to worry about roster percentages for these guys at all. We're just going to we're just going to play the we're just going to play the best plays. It's a novel theory. We'll see if it works out. Uh, but we are going to go ahead and head into break here real quick on the Daily Roto Hour. See you guys in just a few moments on the other side of break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Dow of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like, he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons. Lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with Big Pop. 
Beat. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because, as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break here on the Daily Roto Hour on SportsGrid TV. I am Davis Maddock, joined by Colin Drew, going game by game through all of the important Daily Fantasy games, uh, Daily Fantasy contest uh, this weekend. Atlanta versus Dallas. This is uh, Atlanta at Dallas, even. This is on FanDuel and DraftKings. It is going to be the most popular game. The uh, ownership, you know, we're going to have these guys on tons of rosters. You know, Todd Gurley is going to be on people's rosters. Uh, you know, Zeke is going to be on loads of people's rosters, so the running backs are going to get on it. Where are you coming at uh, with this game, Colin? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a great game. I think the pricing on these guys is fairly reasonable. Um, the, the Cowboys wide receivers are extremely cheap just across the board. Mari Cooper, 6300 Michael Gallup, 5600 CeeDee Lamb, $4,700. All those are DraftKings price tags, and those make it really easy to double stack the Cowboys. And so that that was when I first opened the slate, kind of open up the optimizer, fire up some double stacks. I was just getting flooded with Dallas Cowboys in the optimal. And you know the game has a total up near 53 points. I think it should be a really, really great game to stack. And I think the only thing I'll be waiting to see is just where the dust settles as far as which of the receivers are more popular, because I think that is where, like in a three max, you can still differentiate while playing a popular game. So I like. I honestly feel like Michael Gallup has as much upside as Mark Cooper does. So if you're going to get a little bit of a discount on price and uh, maybe on popularity there, like that would be a pivot I'm fine with. And then same thing, like CD Lamb. Where do you think the public will shake out as far as him on the overall price tag? Obviously, the the first two guys that we talked about with Cooper and Gallup are going to be more popular. But do you think Lamb carries like enough kind of hype with him as a first round pick that he'll still be adequately owned, or is he going to be a guy that we can get? kind of close to like eight or 10%. My guess is that lamb ends up being more of a, you know, you know, when people place the, they do the overlays of like ownership in like a $5 contest. And then against the Thunderdome, like lamb is the perfect example of a guy who's going to be much lower owned in the larger contest where people are like single entering and building their teams by hand. And then far more, uh, owned by guys who are, you know, who, who play for a lot of money and track this stuff very closely because he is a, a he's a new NFL player, you know, didn't have a great, he had a good game in week one against the Los Angeles Rams, but didn't have like an incredible game or anything like that. Uh, my, my thought is he'll be very, very chalky in cash games on both DraftKings and FanDuel though. And I, I'm not going to make any effort to fight it. I, I am going to allow you know, just, just Dak and Ryan and Julio and Ridley and, and Cooper and Gallup. Like, I just, I'm just playing all these guys in, in DFS on both sides, and I just don't care. Yeah, and I guess the other guy that's worth mentioning, you know, you said you weren't interested in Chris Herndon as one of the punt, punt tight end options. I think Dalton Schultz is another one of the punt tight end options in the slate. Not a big-time athlete, but is a tight end that's been in the system for a few years with Dallas. And so I think that he gets the first crack at the starting tight end job with Blake Jarwin down for the year. So... Uh, 3700 in a great game environment. He doesn't have to do very much at that price. So I think it's viable if you're double stacking Dak just to toss 
Schultz on there as like a third option and kind of get a triple stack and hope that the game really does shoot out because it's definitely the type of game that potentially could shoot out. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, okay, if, if you had to choose one wide receiver from this game, who would it be? Um, so right now I would say Gallup just because I think between the the upside, the offense that he's attached to, and I think the fact that he's like optically the second guy in the pecking order, but I think it's like a 1A, 1B thing. I think uh, that would be my choice. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think that, uh, I think I'm, I think I'm with you on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, get... I already see Gallup getting the least amount of pub. Yeah. And I think the other guy that you could throw in, the price is a little bit uncomfortable on DK. I haven't checked on FanDuel yet, but, uh, like Russell Gage is $4,800. I think he's going to be the one guy in this game. That's like sub 5%. So if you are looking to get weird with a game stack and bring it back with him, I think that type of thing is viable. You know, right now we've got him projected for 16, 17% of targets, but he signed equal target share last week to Ridley and Julio. So it's not totally out of line of questions that he kind of puts up um, like a, a 20 point DK outing and ends up being a pretty good value. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in on, uh, I'm in on that. Another, another game that, uh, you know, it's just, it's just not as fun to talk about these other games because Dallas Atlanta is going to be so great, but Pittsburgh Denver is pretty interesting for the running back injuries that we have in the game. So Philip Lindsay is going to be out for several weeks for Denver. Uh, we already know that, you know, there's, there's no speculation there. And then James Conner may or may not play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it, uh, we, we do not know that yet. So let's say James Conner is ruled out. What are you doing with Benny Snell on a full PPR site? Yeah, and Snell on a PPR site, I think he's going to be a good enough value at $4,500 regardless. And if you think he's going to get all of the rushing workload in the offense, that he's going to be viable. Um, I do think there are some questions as far as passing game involvement. Therefore, maybe not a guy that you have to lock into for cash formats. There's a lot of good running back value on the entire slate. I think one of the bigger questions is also on the other side, just because Melvin Gordon is going to be stepping into a workhouse workhorse role. For Denver, it is a short week for Denver. They're going on the road to Pittsburgh, so it's definitely a really tough spot for him. But at $5,200, if you think he's going to be involved in the pass game, which he should be, if you think he's going to get 60 65% of the rushing workload, then um, I think you at least have to consider Melvin Gordon as well. I mean, I would imagine that Melvin Gordon gets like a huge chunk, like maybe even like 75, 80% of the rushing work and that they are still going to play him a ton on passing downs because with Philip Lindsay out, in that game on Monday night, you know, they could have brought in Royce Freeman to play more, but they didn't really, you know, like, and Melvin Gordon even fumbled in that game and didn't even look good. Right. Which Melvin Gordon, like never does. Like he, he never really, never really looks all that good. And uh, you know, they kind of just brought him back uh, and, and used him like a workhorse running back. I expect that he is going to be very popular. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely the case. And then on the Pittsburgh side of things, I guess um, it is a pretty good matchup for Pittsburgh. So regardless of whether or not Connor plays, are you interested in the passing game for Pittsburgh at all? So I'm definitely interested in Deontay Johnson on DraftKings because he is only 4,500 and he actually led that team in targets last week. Now uh, I think that it's probably going to be, you know, a, a pretty, uh, run heavy game plan for Pittsburgh in this game. You know, I, I don't think they're going to try and extend themselves too much with Big Ben this year. So I my my guess is that this actually just ends up being a really non-appetizing fantasy game in general, despite like some good individual pieces like Benny Snell, like Melvin Gordon, like Johnson, uh, even Noah Fant, I think, you know, who was clearly the alpha wide receiver with Cortland Sutton out for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I just like I have like no interest in stacking this game, basically. Yeah, and it seems pretty likely that Cortland Sutton will be back for this game. Um, he was a game time decision. Sounded like they were just hoping to get the longer extended period of rest to get him kind of healthy going to the season. So we'll see how injury reports shake out there. But if the best running back value of the week doesn't come out of this Denver Pittsburgh game, chances are it's going to come out of Indianapolis where Marlon Max injury should open up a huge workload for Jonathan Taylor in the Russian game. Taylor was also surprisingly involved in the passing game during the opening week. And then Naheem Hines, you know, kind of becoming rivers check down guy, I think is a pretty viable play as well. Uh, those players did get priced up. I just don't know if it's quite high enough to reflect the injury and the matchup that they have with Minnesota. 
Uh, yeah, I, I think that I think that these salaries are not adjusted at all. You know, looking at Indianapolis, who has this terrible defense. We have Jonathan Taylor for 5,700, Naheem Hines for 5,300, and Paris Campbell at 4,500 might actually be the guy who ends up getting overlooked on both DraftKings and FanDuel in this game. But he led the Indianapolis Colts skill position players in snaps and in routes run and was co-lead uh, on the team in targets. I, I think Campbell looks like just an incredible uh, GPP play, and I don't think you have to use him. You, like, he doesn't have to be a part of Stacks. I think you can definitely play him as a one-off. Not as excited about the Vikings side, just because they're such a low-volume offense. They were, when the game was within seven points against Green Bay last week, they were, you know, the most run-heavy team in football, calling runs on over 65% of their plays. So it's really just Thielen and Cook uh, for them. Yeah, the surprising thing for me last week, and don't wa didn't watch the game, so not sure how much it was just game flow specific, but um, Alexander Madison played on almost 40% of the snaps and had almost 15% of the targets for Minnesota. So both those numbers were, I think, a bigger role than I was expecting, especially once kind of Cook got settled and we knew that he was for sure going to be playing. So um, I think that was pretty interesting. I guess the other just takeaway for Minnesota was just how heavily they were targeting Adam Thielen. The second role was kind of split between BC Johnson, Justin Jefferson, and then the tight end role was split between Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith. But I mean, Thielen saw 32 percent of targets and it wouldn't shock me if that's something that he hits, you know, eight or 10 times this season. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. I think that is I think he is just going to you know, continue to be one of those low passing volume guys uh low low passing volume on the offense but you know that ends up getting a, a ton of that volume himself which actually is very similar to our next game jacksonville versus tennessee uh are you worried at all about aj brown see he basically just had a very quiet fantasy game uh against the denver broncos i i'm not really that worried but i have seen chatter that people are worried about him uh so aj brown i think and DFS in general is a guy that's always going to have a wide range of outcomes. You know, he got there last year on uh, a few big plays across a few different games and then had kind of a, a steady like baseline of performance that he could build on for those spike weeks. So I think you're going to get that with Tennessee uh, quite frequently where you're going to get kind of spike weeks out of AJ Brown, but you're never going to be able to, to lean on him for kind of like a steady consistent output. So I'm not worried about the spike weeks disappearing. I still expect him to be a guy that returns a lot of tournament value a couple different times this year. Um, and I, I don't think that there's a reason to like overreact to Corey Davis, for example, just because this offense is basically identical to the offense that they ran last season. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely I think that that will end up being true. Uh, we are going to go ahead and head into break here real quick on the Daily Roto Hour on SportsGrid TV. We are going to continue running through a bunch of these daily fantasy games, you know, getting everyone ready with this first look for week one or week two of the uh, NFL season. Going to dig into some of the higher total games when we Get back, Washington, Arizona, Kansas City, L.A. So see you guys in just a few minutes for some of those more exciting daily fantasy contests. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the Deflategate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, you... he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big top. B. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0 in a winner chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. 
I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like, he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because, as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. This is Sports Grid. Get on the grid. Hello, everyone, and welcome back here to the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. I am Davis Maddock, joined by Colin Drew, uh, back on Jacksonville, Tennessee for a second. Never thought I'd say this, Colin, but Derrick Henry is just going to be, if if he's going to run 22 pass routes a game, I mean, he is just an incredibly strong play. FanDuel, DraftKings, half PPR, no PPR, doesn't matter. He's, He's a great, he's a great play. Yeah, definitely, and I think it'll be interesting, I guess, to see whether or not Darrington Evans was inactive last week, whether or not he's active this week, if he is active, whether or not he plays any of the passing downs, or if it's still just going to be the Derrick Henry show, more or less, throughout the season. So I think that's interesting. And then I guess on the value side for week one, I think one of the surprises was just how much James Robinson played for Jacksonville and kind of the lack of involvement from Chris Thompson. And so Robinson, you know, not a guy on a PPR site that has a ton of pass guessing potential. Obviously, the Jaguars 17 point total, not like a ton of potential there either, but he's just 4,400. And I don't think there are too many guys with the same role that he has that are priced cheaper. So probably unnecessary on this slate, but I think is at least worth kind of pointing out people considering. Yeah, I mean, how many running backs are you going to find who are, you know, recording uh, 18 rushes and three targets for 4,400? Not that many. I just think the thing that you question is the ceiling. We have another black hole fantasy game uh, with the New York Giants and the Chicago Bears. The Giants just look like a team that uh, like their their blocking is really not great. Saquon was used a ton in the passing game. Darius Slayton had a super strong game. Uh, We think Golden Tate will probably be back this week, so that'll probably limit uh, the projections on Slayton and Shepard. I just I'm not really interested in honestly anyone from this game, probably other than Allen Robinson. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. And there are other good RB options that are priced up in a competitive range that have better better game scripts, better projections than Saquon. So he's kind of a secondary guy. And and like you said, if Tate's back, I think Tate's role is probably going to be reduced anyways. Um, sounds like the new offense will lean a little bit more too tight end heavy than they did previously. And so that would kind of eat into Tate more than it would be Slayton. Um, and I'm kind of like you on the Chicago side, I guess. The only real news would be whether or not anything happens with Allen Robinson that opens up a bunch of target shares, but these guys feel like they're priced to a point where they're not super appealing. Uh, Mitch Trubisky at 5,500. If you are looking to punt the quarterback position, I guess it's at least worth noting just because sure. uh, 
there are good balanced options this week, so I don't think you have to punt the quarterback, but it is always a viable large field tournament strategy. Yeah, and I mean, Mitch, he runs a little bit. They, you know, whatever. I mean, Mitch has been in millionaire maker winning lineups before. He he probably will be again. Uh, our next game is the Philadelphia Eagles at home to the Los Angeles Rams. We are probably going to get Miles Sanders back this week. He is down at $6,000 on DK. And my guess is he gets overlooked in a big way because Philadelphia was so abysmal on offense last week against Washington. They're getting Lane Johnson back this week. Uh, you know, I, my, my expectation is that, uh, Sanders projects well, but does not see very heavy ownership at all. Yeah. And we running through kind of the running back projections, assuming him back in kind of in a normal load, we do have him projected kind of right in that tier with Jonathan Taylor, Kenyon Drake. And so, uh, I think that he is going to be an overlooked guy compared to those guys that he's priced or not priced right alongside, but projected right alongside. So I think that's fair. Um, for overall game stacking, I think this game probably is just not rostered at all, uh, just given the total is below 47. The Rams do have a fairly concentrated passing attack. So if you did see a scenario where the Eagles were to get ahead by multiple scores early, you know that they're willing to get aggressive and that it will be fairly concentrated with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Um, so I thought that was at least worth noting. Probably not a core game, definitely not a three max target for me. But um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think he he seems well. I actually I actually might put Miles Sanders in the single entry three max conversation because I think he's got thirty fantasy point ceiling at four percent ownership or something like that. Like I think he'll be on an absurdly low amount of rosters, basically. Yeah, and then you know Malcolm Brown did really well in the primetime game last week, but at fifty seven hundred, there's just other. RB values that we prefer matchups that we prefer compared to him. And so it was still a bit of a, of a split with acres and it's possible with, you know, Henderson another week removed from the injury report that it'll be like a three-way split. So I think Malcolm Brown is probably only in like the best possible game environment right now, not in a matchup in Philly. Yeah, I, I, uh, I definitely, I definitely agree with that one. Uh, a very interesting one. I think there are actually a, a lot of potential plays in uh, Washington at Arizona you know, I don't think that we need to be tempted by Gibson. Uh, I think McLaurin is pretty strong. Uh, what is your take on Logan Thomas? 3,600 led Washington in targets, led Washington in uh, routes run last week. Where are we at on Logan Thomas against the uh, the flowchart tight end team, the Arizona Cardinals? Yeah, I mean, he definitely has to be in the tight end value conversation for week two. Um, talked about a couple of the other guys that are potentially viable earlier, but like you said, with Logan Thomas in this matchup, we do expect Washington to potentially have to get a little bit more pass heavy. I don't think he's going to lead the team in targets again this week. So I don't think that's the expectation that you're setting for yourself, but he doesn't have to really do that. And I know it's a guy that the athletic profile was a guy that you were pretty interested in. So, I mean, I think Terry McLaurin's still going to lead this team in targets. I don't think that's particularly debatable, but Logan Thomas is probably the only guy that's really rosterable on the Redskins at this point, just because it is like a pure committee at running back and then even a pure committee as far as like the depth wide receivers on this team. So um, if you are going to run Arizona stacks, I think you're either not bringing it back at all or you're bringing it back with McLaurin, Thomas and, and nobody else. Yeah. Uh, OK. On the other side, we are we are a pe- we are approaching peak uh, by the dip on Christian Kirk as he is priced at forty three hundred on DraftKings. I, I got to say. There really isn't anything you could tell me to not play Christian Kirk this week. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, I, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you rightfully were pretty heavy on Arizona last week. Wrote it up as one of your favorite stacks. We wrote up DeAndre Hopkins as one of the best tournament targets at the wide receiver position, just because. Yes, there was a chance that he was not acclimated to the offense. We had him projected for like 23 or 24 percent of targets. But there was also a chance that he was going to end up being the alpha again, like he has been his entire career. And that was the version of Hopkins that we ended up seeing. And the chances are gone. Like, you're not going to get that ownership dip. Again, he's priced at 7700 I think he'll be still less popular than Devontae Adams, possibly less popular than the Cowboys wide receivers. Um, so I don't think we're talking about an egregious elevation of the ownership there. But Kyler is pretty affordably double stacked if you want to include Christian Kirk in that mix. Is Kyler the type of quarterback you're looking to double stack or because he showed so much rushing upside last week, is he more a single stack candidate for you? 
Um, I think he's probably a single stack because when Kyler is getting in optimal lineups, he like he probably just ran 13 times, right? Like which is what he did last week. He had the 11 so tilting. He had the 11 rushing attempts for 100 yards and then did two massive kneels to knock himself out of the uh the 100-yard bonus. Also, probably worth noting, Kenyon Drake played 70% of the snaps, so you know, that's good. Chart uh, chart with an upwards trend there, but <laughs> Chase Edmonds scored the receiving touchdown. Chase Edmonds ran more passing routes despite only playing 30% of the snaps. So I think this is a legit timeshare. Uh, the, I guess the one thing is with Drake is they're not playing a third running back at all. So, you know, if you think that this line is accurate where we have, uh, you know, where we have Arizona, you know, favored by a touchdown, right? There should be a lot of, you know, grind the clockwork in the second half. So Drake might get a little bit overlooked as well. Yeah, I definitely think that's fair, especially considering like the the trendier RB values that are emerging this week. So especially if you're going to load up on one of the chalkier games with the passing side of things, then he is a really viable tournament pivot kind of right alongside Miles Sanders as guys that could potentially break the slate at a fraction of the ownership. All right, Baltimore at Houston. We have Baltimore with the 29 and a half point total tied for the highest of the week. Lamar pretty actually Lamar looked even better against the Browns honestly than he looked last I mean he looked amazing running the ball he hit the touchdown pass that he threw to Willie Sneed was I I think something he would not have been able to do last year like it looked like he's really added another layer to his game Marquise Brown looks like a real wide receiver one while the games are close Mark Andrews led uh, he, he played the highest percentage of snaps in his career and recorded the highest target share of his career as well this, to me, I think you can single-stack Lamar every single week, and I think that you have, like, a 70 DraftKings point ceiling with Lamar and just one of his other guys because they can really go off that much. Yeah, that I and mean, the ceiling is definitely there, and it's going to be there again this week. I think, unlike last week, so last week Lamar was one of the guys I, I jammed in, like, my MME runs. I was had him in, like, 50% of my lineups, and... Like it connected, the double stack connected, the single stacks connected, but it still wasn't good enough in tournaments just because the value running backs busted. I think the value running backs on this slate are worse or at least more expensive than what we had last week. Plus the stack for Lamar is priced up this week. And so therefore, I think it's not going to be quite as core of a building block for me this week as it was last week. But obviously Lamar, Andrews, Marquise Brown, all going to be viable on essentially any of the slates that they play. Um, the Houston side of things, I think, is pretty interesting just because the Baltimore matchup, not necessarily one that we're looking to target, but we're talking about RB values and kind of injuries changing things a little bit. And David Johnson had a great opening week against the Chiefs. Duke Johnson is now going to be doubtful, probably out for this game. So there's not a lot of running back depth behind David Johnson. Like Buddy Howell is not going to play some massive workload out of nowhere. And so I think at $5,800, like David Johnson should be involved in the passion game. He should be the lead running back and get the goal line work. And so he's pretty interesting. And then Will Fuller, we've got projected for 29% of targets, but he signed an even bigger share last week. And so he's another guy that I think is a tournament viable option. Yeah, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, it's it's obviously not a very great matchup, but I think that you you got to be interested in David Johnson and in Will Fuller, you know, as as legit uh, you know, one-offs and and bring backs as well. Uh, our final game here in our game stat conversation, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, and the Los Angeles Chargers. This game is being played in LA. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins. I, I, I think all of these guys are interesting to various degrees. I, I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire might be playable in, uh, you know, cash games, single entry, three max, uh, that that kind of stuff. And seeing Mahomes at 7,700, I mean, that's a, you know, pretty reasonable price tag for him as well. Probably the bigger questions, though, are, are we chasing the theoretical ceiling for Austin Eckler, who's now at 6,500 on DraftKings? Yeah, I, I mean, I think right now we're not chasing that ceiling. And part of that is just that the Chargers seem like they don't want to run a high volume of plays and they don't want to throw the ball very much. They prefer to run the ball and do it in a little bit of a committee where Eckler is still going to be the lead guy. But I think a lot of the reason we were interested in Eckler was just the PPR goodness that comes with this game. And it is the right type of game script where perhaps the Chargers have to vacate what they're looking to do. But I feel like they're not really going to get to that point until like the second half. And so you would have to kind of be mopping up in garbage time. And um, I don't think you're getting a big enough discount for for that to happen in this matchup. So 
I don't know. I mean, for me, I think despite the fact that it could open up to be a good game script, it feels like the Chargers definitely don't want that to happen. And um, I'm probably not rostering any Chargers in any of my tournament teams this week. Yeah, I, I'm I'm probably with you. Like, I, I think that the potential reward, I mean, I guess the one guy I could see is, you know, maybe like Keenan Allen just, you know, winds up with like a 12 target game or something as they're trying to catch up in the second half. But even at 5,700, I mean, I think I would rather just get more Gallup, right? Like, I, I, I seriously think I would rather, or even, or even Marvin Jones, um, you know, or, or Jamison Crowder. Even like, I, that's how gross it is. I think I might prefer uh, Jamison Crowder in that, uh, in that catch-up mode. Uh, I, for Kansas City, I think the interesting thing you'll find is, you know, that the it feels like the Cowboys stacks kind of have the same floor. And it feels like the Baltimore stacks have a higher ceiling. So maybe that just ends up with, you know, Mahomes plus Kelsey being only on like 3% of rosters or something, which is definitely a spot you would be interested in buying. Uh, we are going to go ahead and head into our final break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. Uh, when we come back, we are going to discuss our favorite game stack this week to use in all of the various tournament formats on FanDuel and DraftKings. sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com i'm julian edelman from games with names and we're on the search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around, I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18 and one with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with Big Pop. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0 in a winner chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton, and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because, as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it.
All right, everyone, welcome back from break here at the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. Uh, our favorite game stack of the week, Colin. Uh, I'll, I'll let you elucidate on Dallas, Atlanta, and why everyone can stack it, even if it's chalky. <laughs> oh, I mean, I think it's it's great. And because there's so many good offenses or offensive pieces on both of the teams, I think that the individual guys aren't going to get that carried away. And um, I know like Atlanta, Seattle was one of the more popular game stacks last week. You still didn't see massive spikes in any of those guys individually. And I think you can find ways to differentiate within Dallas. So it's not just that this is my favorite game stack. I think specifically my favorite way to stack it is to run a Dak Prescott stack with Michael Gallup and then one of Ezekiel Elliott or CeeDee Lamb. And I don't think that those are going to be very popular combinations. Feel free to throw Dalton Schultz in there as your punt head end if you want. I don't think you have to do that, but it's definitely a viable option. Yeah, I mean, you know, we got uh, we got uh, Dalton Schultz out here with the uh, with the two touchdown game, and uh, then all of a sudden he is flooding optimals. So my candidate for kind of the undercover ish is, I guess the, it's the Baltimore stack, but with the bringbacks, you know, just sort of like basic math at some point is going to dictate that Baltimore has to play a competitive game or that they might even lose a game, right? There might be a game where Baltimore is forced to play for all four quarters. Their opponent is also going to be playing for all four quarters. And I mean, it looked very bad for Houston last week against the Kansas City Chiefs, but that's going to happen for a lot of teams against the Kansas City Chiefs. And it's going to happen to teams against the Ravens too as well. But I just, I love the idea of, you know, Watson, Fuller with Marquise Brown bring backs, you know, or or Lamar and Lamar and Andrews with the Fuller bring back and, and even David Johnson in those lineups as well, because he's so unchallenged for playing time. Yeah, and I think that makes sense. And, you know, I had Cleveland bring backs on most of my Lamar teams last week, kind of use the key boost, um, but not all of them. And I think that's probably the right approach. Obviously, they didn't get there. The Baltimore stacks were great, but not good enough to win tournaments. But um, part of that was because they were rested in the fourth quarter. And if Cleveland had been competitive, if those bringbacks had hit, you would have seen a higher output from Baltimore. So at these prices, I think bringing it back makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so there we go. We have a, a very wide look at, uh, you know, at tournament rosters and kind of game theory for week two. Uh, you know, really looking at that uh, Dallas Atlanta game is kind of the, the nexus of where everything is going to revolve. Can only imagine what would happen if there was some sort of injury or uh, or something going on in that game. Uh, took a look at just really the whole slate, kind of a, a build you up from the bottom analysis. Everyone, I hope that you all enjoy the games on Sunday and for Colin Drew. This is Davis Maddock, and uh, good luck this weekend. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, the Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like, he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. 
I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with Big Poppy. They ran socks in 2004, bounced back after the 3-0. In a winner chicken dinner, homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because, as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story, and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games With Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.